Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Yes, it is indeed time for uh, Movies and Booze. Uh, 087 1400 106 is our WhatsApp number. You can follow us on Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com. We are joined by Brian Lloyd, Serena Bellissimo and Dean McGuinness, uh, who's doing this kind of Harry Potter type thing <laughs> uh, uh, w- with various concoctions there. So I suppose we'll start with you, Dean. What in the name of God are you doing? Normally we're, it's just open a bottle of beer. I know, I've made it really complicated today. We're, we're doing beer and whiskey. Uh, so we're looking at it. You've heard of the expression, don't mix grape and grain. Today we're mixing grain and grain. Uh, because whiskey is a grain-based alcohol and beer is a grain-based alcohol. And there are four different ways where you can get whiskey flavours into beer, and we're looking at two to three of them today. Right. But normally, like you've, because you've come in before with beer that's been uh, put in whiskey barrels, and that, this is, this is your actually, you've actually got whiskey in front of you there. Yeah. We, yeah. We, um, the, the four different ways are you can have a beer that's put into a whiskey barrel, and then what happens is what they call the angel share of the uh, whiskey, the bit that evaporates or soaks into the cask, gets reabsorbed into the beer, so you get a certain amount of whiskey character in the beer. Second way is an infusion, which is the second beer that we're tasting, where they put whiskey directly into the beer in the brewery. Right. Uh, the third way is what I've just done here, which is get a bottle of beer and mix a certain amount of whiskey into the beer at the kind of serving point. And then the fourth way is a chaser where you have the shot of whiskey yes. beside the, yeah. beside the uh, so, uh, beer. And is the... the what we're going to do, apart from the infused beer, is this is this the car bomb you told us about? Well, and, and I should warn listeners that uh, <laughs> obviously it sounds really offensive. Uh, but and we, it is. We, and it is. Uh, but Dean can explain how it's not really that offensive, but we will be putting Dean's uh, email address online. <laughs> <laughs> It's now, now, what they do in the States uh, is that there's a, a class of drink that are called uh, bomb cocktails or a depth charge, uh, different ones. And uh, they they also have one called an Irish car bomb, which is very unfortunate. And um, it varies. It can be a shot of whiskey dropped into a pint of stout. Uh, the Irish car bomb is usually a shot of whiskey with a, a Bailey's head on it uh, dropped in, which is really a genius idea because the acidity of the beer curdles the Baileys. So you've got curdled Baileys mixed in with beer. It's absolutely disgusting why anybody would want to to do it. But you were offered Um, this in the States and they thought you'd be delighted. Yeah, a nice nice Indian man in the Irish bar came over and said, oh, you're Irish, you must like car bombs. And I gave him a a 20 minute lecture on four decades of of Irish history and and why no, we didn't like car bombs in Ireland. and that, That was something that we'd like to put things. So then my wife came over and said, oh, just talking to your husband there, he said he doesn't like car bombs. And she said, what in God's name do you mean? It's oh, you know, a shot of whiskey put into a into a pint of stout. No, oh, you're talking about a drink. Okay, yeah. right. okay. But even so, the person who named that drink maybe should have you know, should, should done really, a wee bit of research, a little really, bit, got just on a little Google bit. About it. Yeah. Okay, right. So that's. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get to the end of the hour. Like just just even by looking at it, uh, right? So uh, usual depressing mix of films. This yeah, time, oh yeah, totally. Just yeah. going to really zing it up for everybody. Yeah. So there is Blackberry, which is another. Oh no, I don't want any of that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah. I don't drink. I don't drink. I don't drink. I'm, I'm okay. Thank you. Um, Oh God! What am I doing? Yeah, uh, BlackBerry. Yeah, so just a whiff of it put them off. <laughs> a whiff, yeah. Like literally, I get, yeah. I get drunk on a barman's fart. Yeah. Um, so uh, BlackBerry, which is this new corporate drama, it's about the rise and fall of the BlackBerry phone and the company behind it. Then you have Fair Play, which is this really steamy erotic thriller on Netflix, and then you have the new, the another sequel uh, to The Exorcist. It's called The Exorcist Believer. 
I misread that for at first. I thought it was the Exorcist Belieber, uh, where yeah. Justin Bieber has been uh, has been possessed by the devil. I thought that, I'd, I'd watch pay, that. I'd watch that. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I would definitely give that a go. Yeah, definitely. But um, no, it's not that. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty terrible, actually. It, yeah. Well, Kel Surprise, uh, really. Yeah. I mean, the, the the bar is so like. I still have. Did you see the second one? No, I saw the first one, but I was, you know, it terrified. Was like, I, you know, I was only a young fella. Oh, yeah, yeah. Snuck yeah. into Swanick Cinema in, in Ballinasloe. Didn't sleep for a week. Afterwards. Oh, yeah, 100%. I was terrified to walk home, even. It was that, it was that bad. And and it was, a, it was a high bar in terror. And really, you can't really top that. No, not at all. And to be honest as well, like what they've done here is essentially just rehash the plot of the first one as well, which is kind of a bit... It's a little bit insulting to The Exorcist because there were two sequels that followed. One was called Heretic, which was this really weird metaphysical thriller that was directed by John Borman and is now considered to be one of the worst films ever made. And then there was a third one called Legion, which was kind of like they took inspiration from the Zodiac Killer and he was like a devil worshipper as well. So you basically have a very, very oddball thriller and then a cop thriller as a sequel. So they didn't have anything in common with the original film. Mm. So they were trying to do something different. That alone, I think, is worthy of recognition. This, on the other hand, it's just like, hey, let's just repeat what we did the last time and just see what happens. And it's yeah, terrible. and we'll find out uh, what happens there. And uh, in, in the Is This News category, Taylor <laughs> Swift is selling even more tickets. I know, you know, just not to annoy those of us who didn't get tickets, she's actually being really nice and going, okay, you couldn't get tickets to my concert. Do you want to watch it on the big screen instead? So on the 13th of October, her Eras tour is coming to 100 countries all over the world mm. and Already, so we know that her concert is going to make her close to a billion dollars. They're talking just the cinema release alone has had a hundred million dollars in pre sale tickets. Okay, is that just in the States or all over the world? All over the world. So, isn't it nuts? And yeah, because last week they came up as well that people were debating about. Do you, do you, is it sit down if you go to see it in the cinema or do you I go know, for a like bop, you know? I, well, like, I mean, Stop Making Sense it was being, was being played in the light. It gets played in cinemas and people are up dancing in the in the aisles and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's brilliant. I've been to them before. That's one of the best cinema experiences I've ever had is seeing Stop Making Sense in a cinema. So, yeah, I'd say people can get up and dance. Yeah. Know, I'd like, hope so because it's, like, it's long. You know I always complain about the length of re- like really long films. This goes for two hours and 48 minutes. So I'm, yeah, but that's the length of basically of a concert, concerts, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And not all concerts are that long. So this is why people are really wanting to go to – it's an experience that you're going to. So, I don't know, um, two hours, 48 minutes, I'd want to be up on my feet. It is showing here in Ireland from the 13th of February uh, – February, yeah, February, October. long yeah. way there yeah, yeah. for that one. Thirteenth uh, uh, of October in Odeon Cinemas, so all over the country. Yeah, so check it out. Yeah, my kids are going to see Stop Making Sense tonight in the Stella. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Uh, and it's like a half ten show yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So oh, yeah, they'll be up and party and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, they're yeah. really, really, good. and it's been restored in like four K as well, so it looks yeah. gorgeous as well. And see, yeah. that's what you want from the cinema. Like when you go to the cinema, An experiential. You want this, yeah, and that's what I loved when I was in the states and we watched Barbie. I've said this before: the fact that the audience were cheering and clapping and reacting. So stuff like I think if you go to the Taylor Swift eras tour and um, in the cinema and you're being told off for standing up. I'd be giving an usher. Uh, yeah, I know. I, d- I yeah. doubt if they will. Yeah. But is this like? But I, th- I think possibly the. Okay, I haven't seen the Iris I- I- tour film, obviously. But the, uh, Stop Making Sense was kind of designed as a film 
Whereas is the uh, Eras film just a film of a concert? I'm if you know assuming, what I mean. yeah, I'm assuming it's just the concert. Yeah. So and like Beyonce's come out and said that she's doing the same with her Renaissance tour. So I'm looking forward to that because, like, again, this is another one. God, what a day is when Beyonce's going. Somebody look at me! I want some attention <laughs> but, now. But you know what? We wanted here in Ireland because, again, we've been with Taylor. We missed out because it was so hard to get the tickets. Don't get me started on that. But with Beyonce, she just snubbed us all together. Mm, yeah. So it'd be good to be able to watch it on the big screen. Yeah, but but. There seems to be no kind of pushback against Taylor Swift over that whole tickets thing. Yeah, I don't understand why. Like, I, okay, well, I suppose the reason why is people are just giving out at Ticketmaster. T- yeah, Ticketmaster yeah. and what's going on there. And I just still don't understand why it's been so hard. Just because it seems to be just an algorithm. The more people want it, the more they charge. Yeah. So that's. You know, well, look, at, at least you know that if you're going to see Taylor Swift's eras in the cinema, you know what you're being charged um, and you know where you're going to spend most money is at the candy bar. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what's now, going to take you money. what is 007 Road to a Million? I'm, I'm not a massive James Bond fan, right? But yeah. I'm a fan of this because it's Brian Cox. Yes. That's yeah. Brian Cox. Yeah. Brian Cox can do anything. Basically, um, when Amazon bought the rights from MGM for the the James Bond series, everyone got really worried because everyone was like, oh, my gosh, are they going to go and do all their spin-off series, prequels, whatever? Mm. The Broccolis are still very involved, and the Broccolis have said no to a lot of things, but they've said yes to this. Basically, Brian Cox is looking for the next um, James Bond, but not what you think. He's not going to look for someone to replace Daniel Craig. Its teams are brought together and they go around the world and they do uh, they go to Bond-like locations like Jamaica, Venice, um, Scottish Highlands, and then they've got some missions that they have to partake in. I'm only watching this to see if Brian Cox gives us his beautiful, eloquent swearing. So far, yeah. I've watched the trainer trailer. There's no F word in it to be seen, but I don't know. I'm just I'm interested in this only because Brian Cox is attached to it. I think if there was anyone else to atta- uh, attach to this, we'd all be slagging this off. Yeah, but it, this is the thin end of the wedge. Oh yeah, they'll have of made Bond a laughing stock by the time they've Amazon have gone through all the spin-offs of it. Well, hopefully they don't. Hopefully the broccoli's their voice is heard when it comes to ideas that um, Amazon are throwing at them. But if they're throwing mm. this idea, what are they going to be throwing at That's them? That's it. Like, it's like yeah. the amazing race to, for, oh, yeah. for James Bond. I mean, like, what is he? Is he going to go around the world and, like, hassle women while he's there and all the kind of rest of it? Is that, is that what happens? Is there a like, sexist category in this? Where you know I mean? like, come on. Like, what's going to happen? Here? Here's four women. Let's see who treats them the worst. Yeah. yeah. He's going to slap them around a little bit. Like, yeah. I mean, it's horrible. Like, yeah, it's just... And Brian Cox as well. Like, I mean, why is he doing this? Like, what's his connection? Because SAG after are on strike, right? So this is the only <laughs> he's thing He's got to make some money. Do. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. It's Fair a I won't deny a man. I won't deny a man making a living. Amazon, yeah. though. I'm, you know, because we're reaching that pinch point of like, what streamer people are going to start dumping? I, mm. I, Amazon is actually at the top of my list now. Really? Oh, really? No. So? Yeah. There's they, a huge library, though. And I mean, they have great. the entire MGM library. So you're yeah. talking hun- like hundreds, if not thousands, of actually really good films that they've got in their vault that they can take out and shove up. Like, I mean, I saw like Possession, this like really deep cut horror film made in the 80s on Amazon Prime the other day with Sam Neill and Isabella Adjani. It's terrific. And also their TV shows. Yeah. Like they had the, fabu- uh, I always get it wrong, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. They've yeah. got Hacks. They're really starting to invest in their TV. So I think Prime and Apple would be two that I'd be really thinking mm. about holding on to. 
Yeah. And they're apparently they're going to get Colombo as well at the end of the year as well. So that's another reason to keep it on. The original Colombo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're something. going to have like the, all the remastered uh, episodes of Colombo are going to be on Amazon Prime pretty soon, apparently. Yes, one last question. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I'm a huge Colombo fan. So I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Take my money. Right, okay. Uh, hang on to your hats, lads. Right, Dean. Go on, do it. Okay, what, so, what do we have to do here? So what we've got is we have Carrick Dove, which is from uh, West Kerry Brewery. It's an Irish extra stout. So the stout that pe- most people are familiar with, uh, stouts like Guinness or, or Murphy's, would be a, a dry Irish stout, uh, Guinness would be. And that's about four point to 4.5%. Uh, the stout that you've got in front of you is a 6% stout. And then we have some Teeling small batch whiskey, which is aged in bourbon and rum casks. Uh, so you get a kind of a oh, massive flavour. Oh, there's a sweetness flavor, there. Uh, smell yeah, it. Yeah. It's a lovely sweetness. Uh, so that is the two drinks individually, right. which you can taste. And then this is... A blend of the whiskey with the beer. Right. Okay. So okay, that's uh, just for display purposes. The other one you put in front of me. Well, yeah. And, and if if you want to kind of try to deconstruct yeah. and see where the flavors are coming from, yeah, they're all yeah, there right. available to you. Slurm our way through the rest of the hour. <laughs> <laughs> so now, one of the things with this, uh, first of all, when you're you're talking about doing this exercise, um, it's a total nightmare in terms of measures because mm. a shot is different depending on the country that you're in. Typically in England, a shot is about 25 millilitres. In Ireland, it's 35.5 millilitres. In the States, it can be between one fluid ounce, which is about 30 millilitres, to 1.5 fluid ounces, which is about 44 millilitres. So if you're talking about putting a shot into a drink, then you need to know what size shot. In most instances, a shot is too much to put into a 500 millilitre. Rule of thumb of about 25 millilitres, the English... Um, measure okay. um, into uh, a stout but then depending on the intensity of flavour of the stout uh, this 6% has a bit more flavour to it they've done a great job on the individual beer um, it's got really good kind of roast uh, malt character a little bit of sweetness to it uh, the whiskey has beautiful sweetness to it as well there's uh, lovely molasses licorice there's a little bit of uh, a cherry in the background and then if you get the balance right so what I've gone with is 30 millilitres of the whiskey in 500 millilitres of beer Okay. Um, uh, you get just just a nice blend of it. Now, in America, they do their drop shot, which is maybe 44 millilitres, and all you get is a, a weak-tasting whiskey. It just overpowers mm, the, yeah, the, the yeah. flavour of the beer. Um, but if you get it right, you get a nice balance, and you start getting the molasses coming through, uh, balancing uh, with the kind of uh, caramel, uh, toffee sweetness and, and roast character of the of the stout, and it just develops it. The um, uh, The source of the rule of thumb is that if you've got a cask-aged beer, uh, so say for example Chimay Blue, uh, that would be 9% and then when they cask-age it, it goes up to about 10.5%. Uh, so it absorbs about 1.5% of alcohol from the spirits. So when you do the sums on that, the 25-30 millilitres and 500 millilitres will give you will give you that. Okay, and uh, how uh, so the beer is 6%, what's the whiskey? Would be 40%. 40, so does that make it 46%? Or, or how is that, how is that worked out. <laughs> it's a weighted average. So uh, you've got 30 this millilitres is, you know, and 500 Alcohol maths here at work. I, I, I was literally doing algebra last night. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got two pages of algebra but because I'm a very interesting person. No, know. but it's lovely. And really, if you're a stout drinker, 
you'd just think it was a stout uh, with you know with an interesting flavor rather than oh my god there's a whiskey in there yeah that that's the trick because um like if if you just want the flavor of the whiskey then have a shot of whiskey mm, uh, yeah. you know what, what's the point in trying to do something uh, so the trick is just to find the balance where you're getting just a suggestion of the flavor of the whiskey and it's blending in with the um the flavor of the stout and in in a perfect world what you sometimes get is a kind of a a combination of flavors so the way our brains work is we take all the flavors that we experience and sometimes we identify them as individual flavors and sometimes we put them together so say for example if you're getting almond and uh, cherry flavors sometimes you start thinking of Bakewell tart because you've got <laughs> almond and mm. cherry and Bakewell tart um, with this it was kind of a, a cherry liqueur uh, flavor that was coming through um, because you had a certain amount of chocolate from the stout then a little bit of cherry from the whiskey and you start getting this like little cherry liqueur flavor in the in the beer that you wouldn't have got before uh, mm. until the, the two are, are combined it's lovely but obviously don't drink it like it's just a regular stout. It's it's a sip, yeah. Now, uh, yeah. what you're looking at is maybe uh, from 6% up to maybe 7, 7%, a little bit more, 7.2, 7.3%. Uh, so, like, th- these beers are sipping beers anyway. Yes, uh, You know, yeah. once you go up to a, a 6% beer, you're, you're looking at kind of sipping it and enjoying and, it. And the makers of each... How, do you know how they feel about having their, you know, their beloved product adulterated I with ha- somebody else's alcohol? I or? haven't discussed it, just like I didn't <laughs> discuss with the lambic makers when I started putting ice cream into their beer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Once again, we will be putting Dean's email yeah. address online uh, for all those complaints. But no, the people in Teelings are lovely people. They're they absolutely lovely. lovely. Whiskey, and uh, and Teelings is an exceptionally fine whiskey as it well. Is. It should yeah, be uh, yeah, pointed out. Right, job. Brian, what would you like to do first? Should we go for the big scary, non-scary one? Yes, let's do that. Okay. Uh, the rubbish exorcist coming up after this. The body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For God, your blood was spilled and has flowed through the ages of time. For we know that... Father, Father, because of that blood, we were saved one day and claimed heaven as our home. Catherine. Catherine. So we praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. The body and the blood. The body and the blood. Catherine. The body and the blood. Catherine. The body and the blood. 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 The body and the Right, that's uh, the exorcist believer. Yeah. So, um, is it? You said earlier it's a kind of retread of the original. Films? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So what's going on in this is that two kids disappear uh, in a sleepy town in Georgia. They're gone missing for three days, but when they reappear, they're obviously acting a little bit strange. They have no idea of how long they've been gone. One of the parents is a widower. The other are kind of, you know, very involved in their local church and everything. And it turns out that the kids have been trying to contact uh, the mother of the child who is the daughter of a widower. Mm. Um, and in doing so, they have, you know, reached over to the other side. And uh, um, and that's basically it then. They're trying to figure it out. They go through a long process of 
you know, kind of mental mental health screening, doctors are involved and all the rest of it. Again, very much like the first one where there is a layer of believability to this. There is a kind of procedural element. They're going through everything until eventually they reach a point where science can no longer answer what is wrong with these kids. He, um, Leslie Odom Jr., then finds this book that was written by Ellen Burstyn's character 30 years ago about her daughter's uh, possession and exorcism. And then he goes to visit her and you think she's going to be this sort of like Father Karras character, uh, Max von Zito's character, that she's going to, you know, arrive up in a taxi with the hat and the thing. <laughs> You're thinking, yeah! And then it just completely screws the pooch on it and just completely derails her entire character. And then <clears throat> the final act of the film, I think the Avengers has rotted away how to write a third act in films because now they've done this, th- they do seem to be doing this thing now with a lot of films where you have to bring everybody together and it's got to be this big epic final battle with a lot of crap CGI and they're all like chanting around these two girls trying to get the devils out and it's mm. like, oh, you know, the fight's in there, it's not out there, priest, you got to get in here, you got to get in the trenches and uh, and it just completely saps any kind of atmosphere out of the film by the end. Um the guy who directed this guy called David Gordon Green, he did uh, the kind of reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it, of Halloween. Mm. The one with Jamie Lee Curtis where she came back. And in that Halloween, they kind of, it was interesting because they sort of inverted a lot of horror tropes. You know, that sort of way. Like Jamie Lee Curtis's character in Halloween, she was the original final girl. And the final girl is the last girl that's running around being chased by the yeah. man with the knife. And in the remake of Halloween that she was in, the one that was in 2018, I think it was, um, she was kind of like Sarah Connor. She was chasing the shape, which was brilliant. So bringing in David Gordon Green to take on Exodus Believe, you're thinking, okay, he's going to have some kind of interesting commentary on the original and be able to kind of shape it to modern age. But really what this is, is like all religions have a valid place now. It's not just all about Catholicism. All religions have a valid place. And that's not enough. For something so it's like ec- an ecumenical exorcist. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you've got like uh, Haitian voodoo. You have like Episcopalians, and then you've got a Catholic, and then you have, I guess, like uh, uh, an atheist, but who believes in his daughter, and the belief is enough, and that's where the whole kind of the title of the film. Comes. Oh right, so there's like a, a squad of exorcists. Yeah, well, that's, just it, that's what I'm saying. It's like the Avengers. Yeah, oh, they all like God. rock up. They all rock up to the house, and like you know, the Haitian voodoo lady has got like um, her candles and stuff like that, and then the Bible basher's got his Bible in his arm, and he's like doing the whole gospel revival thing, and then the Catholic priest is outside, who won't get involved because his church won't let him. Urgh. And then you've got the dad who like doesn't believe in any of this, but he's some st- he's still there for some reason, letting all this happen in his house. Um, yeah, this film just really annoyed me. Yeah, it sounds like it was. Re- is there any projectile vomiting? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They like aim it right up at the roof as well. And that's the other thing as well, by the way. The projectile vomiting, it's CGI. Like, what happened to practical effects? You know, that mm. kind of way. Like, that was what made the original one so yeah. good was that, you know, when she was doing the thing walking down the stairs, they actually got a contortionist to do that and it was freaky. And you could, you know, there is this like theory that um, the. The human brain can recognise CGI instantly and then it kind of forgets it. Whereas if there are, if it is a physical presence on screen that's been captured on celluloid, the brain recognises that it's real and then it's more memorable. Um, and this is just a long-winded way of saying the CGI in this is terrible and it's very, very, very poor. So, yeah, because yeah. in, in the original film, the, certainly in the first, maybe uh, first act, yeah. 
it was kind of quiet. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was it. And, and, you know, that scene where she comes down the stairs and yeah. she just pees on the stairs. And, yeah. like, that was terrifying. That's terrifying in yeah. and of itself, yeah. And to be fair, they do do that in this. Like, the first 45 minutes of this is this very effective domestic drama about, you know, a widower, a dad who is trying to raise his daughter on his own. The daughter is trying to connect with her mother. She died in childbirth. Um and even the manner in which the 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 the, the wife slash mother died was horrible. Like she died in the Haitian earthquake of twenty ten, and just before she died, she had gotten this Haitian voodoo blessing over the child that the child would be protected. And you think, I, I initially my my antenna was up for that forty five minutes. I was going to like be like, are they trying to say that Haitian voodoo is the reason why this kid is possessed? And mm. it's like, no, it's it, it doesn't turn out to be that at all. But um. But yeah, no, like for the first 40 minutes of this, it's quite an effect in domestic drama. But then the remaining hour and 15 minutes is just every exorcist adjacent horror film you've seen in the last 20 years. And even look at something like, you know, The Conjuring, for example, which I think is a great, great horror movie. That had the right idea because it's not trying to remake any of the 70s horror film. It's just kind of taking inspiration from it and doing its own thing in the same way that like Star Wars took you know, Flash Gordon serials mm. and then just turned it into its own thing. The Conjuring had the right idea. It took, you know, The Exorcist. It took Nightmare on Elm Street. It took uh, Possession. It took any of these, like, great horror films from the 70s and then made its own thing out of it. This, on the other hand, is just trying to remake a 70s horror film in 2023. Yeah. Why was there, I mean, there were, as you said, there were, like, follow-up Exorcist oh, yeah. films, but a big gap, I assume, between the last one and this one. Yeah, I think the last one, I want to say, oh, there was a whole big drama with that. So the, I think the last one was in 2010, and what happened there was was that Paul Schrader, Oscar-nominated, or Oscar-winning director, writer Paul Schrader, who did, like, Taxi Driver and all the rest of it, he did this film, and it was called The Exorcist Possession, I think it was called, and the studio hated it. But they released it anyway. And then they got this guy called Rennie Harlan, who, you know, is this work-a-job director, mm. brought him in, gave him something like, I think, 20 million. They were like, quickly get out another Exorcist film. And then he went off and cranked out this film. And it turned out that both films were terrible. And they were released within like a year of each other. And that was the last time they ever bothered to make an Exorcist film. Yeah, you'd wonder then, why do it again? Well, like, horror films are cheap to make. Yeah, horror films yeah. are cheap to make and on top of that as well they're cheap to make they generally do quite well with audiences because most people will be like I just want to see something scary and they'll just go to the cinema mm. and like I'm scared for an hour and a half great fine and they leave and yeah they're cheap to make that's really it and it, with something like The Exorcist as well people remember the 1973 original and people are suckers they'll go in and think oh well I like the first one maybe I'll like this one and then they don't and then they complain to me and <laughs> Will they? Uh, was there at the end of the film was there a hint that there might be another one God I hope not no, there wasn't. I mean, and I really hope they'll just draw a line underneath this now because it is getting savaged by people. Yeah. So, right, is it making money though? Well, I mean, <laughs> time will tell. I mean, time will tell. I mean, I know that uh, a lot of like uh, you know horror uh, bloggers, if you like, were saying, "No, I'm not going to go see this," and you know, just go watch the original. That's really what I would say to people: just go watch the original. Yeah, it still holds up. Like, yeah. Uh, right, speaking of horror, uh, yeah. Robin Williams is being recreated by artificial intelligence. Yeah, this whole AI thing is really scary, isn't it? And um, we saw it there with um, Tom Hanks. Did you see him do the dental commercial? That yes, wasn't yes. Well, I saw him saying it wasn't me doing the dental commercial. Yeah, and it was really freaky. Now his daughter, Zelda Williams, has come out and she said, look, we, you know, th- this is this is beyond freaky and it's no longer just because 
she is personally affected when she sees this. It's got to yeah. be weird seeing, mm. like, it's one thing seeing your dad, I suppose, in movies that you knew he filmed when he was alive, but then to see him coming back and doing something that he never did, that's got to mess with your mind. But she said it's more than just that. It's actually, it's what the, the writers and the actors are fighting for. And, you know, we saw uh, last week the writers have come to a semi agreement and they've all gone back to work and the actors are hoping that this doesn't happen as well because she was saying it's not enough that I don't want my dad doing stuff after he's passed. It's the fact that I want other actors as well being able to voice characters. You know, I don't want them to rely on what my dad's done. And then she says, and if you look at it, half the stuff, some of it can be really good, but other stuff is like looking at Frankenstein coming back to life. It's not great. Yeah. And what have they got, Robin, you know, what... How have they? Well, so far, she said, so far, she's just seen really bad stuff. So, like, if you know, if you see memes going, I haven't seen any personally, but you know, if you see memes going around, or if someone wants, you know, you know, when you send stuff personally to your friends, going, Oh, look, I've got Robin Williams to say this. So, that's what she's seen going around. She's hoping that studios won't make it a thing. And so, basically, she's thrown her weight behind the strike. Yeah. At the same time, and and the studios might well, you know, uh, uh, come to an agreement about that. That's not to stop stop any punter. That's the whole thing. Yeah, with a computer just going, ah, you know, give us 10 bucks and I'll get Robin Williams to wish you happy birthday. And look, the way we get into this as well is, like, I've noticed a lot of um, platforms that we use because they're free and they're easy, we're being sold AI. Like, I just got something there from Zoom recently that said, I have an AI companion now. If Do I you? want to utilize it, yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, is your AI companion cheaper than you are? Because I just just and, asking. <laughs> and, see, and see, but that no. that's the thing. A lot of us just go, oh, it's easy. We'll do it. And we just sign up for it because life has become easier. But easier doesn't necessarily mean that in the long run it's going to be better for us. Yeah. And that's the scary thing. Well, I, I do take comfort in the fact that there are, you know, principled individuals like Elon Musk who wouldn't dare to do something like this or, or profit from You're so from right. It. Yeah, yeah, it's so right, yeah. really. Um, <laughs> Uh, Idris Elba's in therapy for uh, working too hard. Yeah, he is. He was on. I love this because not that you know he's he's, he's <laughs> telling us he's on. No, but I just love that Annie Mac's podcast changes has gone worldwide. Like this is being picked up in places like the Hollywood Reporter, Variety. It's not just you know your um your gossip magazines, but he was on and they were talking about you know what changes he's made in his life, and he said he started going to therapy. Because he realises that in this industry, you're actually rewarded for being a workaholic. Mm. And he realises that, nah, there's more to life than just working. And I think the industry that he's in is a really tough one as well. So so is every other industry that people are in. But with acting, I think you're always thinking about your next gig. So you don't give yourself time to stop. It's a freelance mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's exactly it, yeah. But it was actually just really nice to see him talking about stuff like this and just freely going, I want to go to therapy to just change the way that my brain's wired because my brain is wired that work is good and everything must be about work. So yeah. No, because, but it is that sense that this could be your last gig. Oh, yeah. We all get I that. I did it, yeah. I was yeah. freelancer for years. Uh, yeah. Well, so was I. And even now when I walk into Newstock, I have an urge to steal paper and paperclip <laughs> just in case. Because, uh, you know, you never know. Completely. Like, I'm, I I do the freelance gig. My whole my whole work life here in Ireland has been freelance. And so, yeah, it is. It's that whole... You'll say yes I, to anything and then be like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And even if you can't mentally take on that workload, you're just like, I'll do it. Because if I say no, that could be my last job. So it's nice to see someone who actually doesn't need to be saying yes anymore. He does have the money in the bank. Mm. But I suppose once that's in your brain, how do you get your brain to flip that switch? 
Look at, your, look at your bank balance in his case by yeah. the impact <laughs> advantage there. Uh, right, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We'll take a break after that. More movies and booze. Patrick Stewart thinks Tom Hardy is weird, Serena. Well, yeah, he thought he was weird, right? So he's just released a memoir. This is the thing about writing a book. People will just pull quotes from your book and not necessarily – that may not be the quote that you want coming out. That may be one page in your book, but yeah, all of a true. sudden this is the thing that Patrick um, Stewart is talking about. He – I didn't know this, but maybe because I'm not a Trekkie. Oh, yeah, Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, he, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. He yeah, yeah, it was like one of his first roles. Yeah, he played a, he played a cloned younger version of uh, Captain Picard. Yeah. I had no idea. And he was great. Great in it. Was yeah, he, he was yeah. good, yeah. Maybe he was... Well, see, he came out... Stuart came out going, that was probably my least favourite film. I didn't get to do anything really exciting in it. And he said that um, Tom Hardy was really weird in that he turned up, he kept to himself, didn't talk to anyone, didn't interact with anyone. And then on his last day of filming, he shot his last scene and then he just left. You know, usually there's like a, a bit of an applause, a bit uh, of an after party yeah. and stuff. And Stuart actually said when he left that that's probably the last we're going to see of him. Uh, I think Tom Hardy had the had the last word there. Yeah, so that's all come out in his novel. In his novel? Well, his novel. well that's not novel. a novel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, that's interesting. But maybe he was kind of method acting being... I would say a bit he was a villain people. in it. And yeah. Violent for and... Him, so. Your first, like, this was one of his first roles. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to be a little bit nervous as well going on to yeah, set. Yeah, I'm and, shy. Yeah. yeah, and plus as well, like, what's wrong with just, like, coming in and doing your job and leaving? Like, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. Like, I mean. Yeah. Like, well, do you know, okay, I'm going to name drop now. Go on. I met Tom Hardy when yeah. he was sitting with He's quite, Idris yeah, Alba. I remember. He's quite. They both love, like, the time I met him, he was actually, this was, this was rock and roller. So this is before Tom Hardy was Tom Hardy and before Idris Elba was Idris Elba. And the two of them were just mucking around. He was sucking on his kid's doty the whole way through the interview and they were just they were just yeah. a great laugh we might, and so was there a baby screaming someplace in the no background way. going where's my doty <laughs> he had that just so he could be closer to his kid oh. okay isn't oh. that sweet isn't that sweet <laughs> Maybe you're slightly creepy and not very clean. I You know, doties are covered in snot. Uh, I know, and, you know. Yeah, yeah, but still, like, all, it's all sorts snow. of infection. Uh, right, uh, <laughs> shall we? Uh, shall we move on to our second film? Yes. Uh, that is uh, <clears throat> what, Fair Play. It's called. Here's a clip. I, uh, I, I met Campbell. You met Campbell. At two in the morning. Did he try anything? No. No, it's not. If he touched you? No, he didn't touch me, Luke. Okay. Well, then... (laughs) He's promoting me to PM. I'm... I'm taking over for Quinn. Okay. Congratulations. That's amazing. Right, okay, mm. fair play. Uh, this is a, This is not going to be in the cinema. This is a Netflix job. Yeah, it's a Netflix job. Yeah, I think it got like a small release in a few cinemas here and all the rest of it. But yeah, it's basically a Netflix job. Um, Alden Ehrenreich, who people would remember from Hail Caesar. He was also the young Han Solo as well. And uh, Phoebe Dynavor, who would, people would know from Bridgerton, which was another Netflix series. Very, very big. She's also the daughter of somebody in Coronation Street. Sally Webster from Coron- Coronation Street. Thank you. 
you, okay. sir, read a bellissimo. Yeah, yes. well done. Well done. Saving my bacon. Because um, <laughs> I don't watch Corrie. I'm more of an EastEnders man. Anyways, um, so yeah, so they are basically uh, hedge fund analysts. They're working in the corporate world of high finance in New York. Uh, they're both up for a promotion. She ends up getting it, and then the power dynamic in their relationship changes. He kind of starts to go off the rails a little bit. He gets sucked into this, I guess, like a self-help, Jordan Peterson-esque guru and becomes kind of involved in this sort of world of toxic masculinity where he starts like negging his girlfriend because she's doing really, really well. She then has the kind of issue of like, she wants to still maintain a relationship, but at the same time, she kind of realizes that her boyfriend's a bit of an idiot and a bit kind of pathetic Mm. and is almost sabotaging her in some kind of way. And obviously because this is high finance, you're talking billions of dollars hinge on a single decision and sometimes she listens to him and loses a ton of money but then when she follows her own instincts she does absolutely fine and you know the use of high finance in this is very good because it kind of it cuts through a lot of I guess other kind of industries in the sense of it's a dollar amount you know that sort of way when she listens to her own instinct the company does really, really well when she listens to him and kind of tries to kowtow to him and sort of supplicate him she does really poorly. So it's, you know, the idea of, you know, working relationships <clears throat> and, you know, couples and all the rest of it. I mean, the thing I took away from this film was I totally get why HR, you know, prefers people not to have inter-office relationships. I totally get it because it can just really turn things on its head and you have people, you know, uh, competing against each other. Um, this does have the feel of a kind of a, like a, late 80s, early 90s erotic thriller. Like, yeah. Kind of like Fatal Attraction yeah. and Adrian Lynn and all that kind of stuff, which I love. I love erotic thrillers. And they don't make them anymore. And anytime they do try to make them now, it tends to be this sort of thing of they can't get the balance right between titillation and, I guess, the thriller, the psychological aspect of it. This film does it really, really, really well. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Okay, and so is it? Is it erotic? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, okay. it's, oh, it's filth. Yeah, it's total okay. filth. Like the opening uh, scene of it is like they're in a bathroom mm-hmm. doing it, and then they end up doing it in their apartment. And then the final scene of it, she's like, "Well, I don't want to ruin it, but like it's." She's well, you have now. Well, I have yeah, now. yeah, yeah. She's chasing them around the apartment with a knife. It's brilliant. Like. Okay, for fun. No. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, not, not for fun. Junior Mac. Right, okay, let's uh, move on to the second beer of the day, uh, Dean. Now, this is uh, this is just infused, is it? This is infused, yes. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, the blend here has been done in the brewery. So Het Anchor Brewery is based in Mechelen, which is just about a 20-minute train ride north of Brussels. Oh, that's nice. And, uh, yeah, they have a beer called uh, Good and Carolus Imperial Dark, uh, which is 10.5% ABV. And they also have a distillery. So they thought, wouldn't it make sense to take a little bit of the whiskey from the distillery infused into the 10.5% beer, bring it up to about 11.2% and um, have a whiskey infused beer. So it's a strong, dark Belgian ale. So with uh, dark beers, you get a lot of flavour from the malt. With uh, ale, you get a lot of flavour from the fermentation. And because it's a Belgian ale fermentation, you've got spice as well um, Mm. going on. So there's a huge amount of flavour going on. Caramel, cherry, uh, vanilla. There's um, some beautiful Belgian spice, nutmeg, cinnamon, uh, white pepper uh, there. And uh, then the the whiskey gives it a kind of a a boozy Christmas pudding. um, Yes. uh, (laughs) It is kind of, you know, you're right. It is kind of Christmassy. Yeah. 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 So, uh, mm. it's it, yeah, it's 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 a, a, a lovely beer. But again, the, uh, the, the the Imperial Dark is a beer that you can get uh, by itself. 
And what's interesting about this as well as an infusion is that because the um, because the beer is being brewed in the same place that the distillery is operating in, the base uh, for the whiskey has something in common with the beer. So when you're making whiskey, the first uh, two-thirds of the process is very, very similar to the brewing process. You're uh, getting grains and mixing it with water and putting it through a process where you get initially an unfermented um, sugary liquid and then you put yeast in and you get a fermented alcoholic liquid. Then for the whiskey part, they put it through the distilling process, which is boiling off the alcohol and collecting that. And then for whiskey, aging it in... um, casks for uh, at least three years in a day. It has to be aged for, for three mm. years in a day to be uh, to qualify as a whiskey. Uh, so the base um, for the whiskey is the beer that is part of the Gooden Carlos family. It's a beer called Gooden Carlos Triple. Uh, and you've got a house character between Gooden Carlos Triple and the Gooden Carlos Imperial Dark. And then a little bit of that comes through in the whiskey. So you get a kind of a bridge um, between the whiskey and the beer in terms of the flavours. And when they integrate, they tend to have that little bit of a boost in terms of integrating well and giving a, a really nice blend of flavour. Okay, it's very nice and it is very Christmassy and the, the, a tiny little bit of uh, spice in it, yeah. Yep, yep, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, delicious stuff. Right, that's uh, pretty much our, our lot for today. T- thanks to Serena and Dean uh, and Brian. Also, uh, uh, tonight's a big night in Radio Land, so people are travelling uh, from all over the country uh, to the Radio Awards in the Larith Hotel in Kilka. I don't want to be presumptuous that all those people are in their cars listening to me, but let's face it. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 pm with Anna Glaze on News Talk.